Hello, everyone. Welcome to Thrive with Shirley McRae. Even in the best of times, the process of aging can be an emotional roller coaster. In recent years, with support from Thrive NYC and the Department for Aging, millions have been invested in new neighborhood-based mental health services at senior centers all across the city. It was a prescient move because now with COVID-19, we need the infrastructure that has been created and the services they provide more than ever. We've been able to adapt quickly and reach people while keeping everyone safe. To stop the spread, our senior centers are not providing usual activities, but the services are being delivered remotely. And probably most important of all, culturally sensitive meals are being delivered directly. All of these methods combat social isolation among older adults as they stay indoors as much as possible. Volunteers across the five boroughs are working hard to keep connections alive for older New Yorkers who are especially isolated at home. Like Carmela Eckelman from Coney Island. When her grandson started school a few years ago, Carmela signed up to be a volunteer for the New York City Department for the Aging's Friendly Visiting Program, a Thrive NYC initiative. Okay, they matched me up with um, some people in the neighborhood. I started out with one, um, a gentleman. He was living with his wife at the time. And then I asked him for someone else, and it happens to be within walking distance of my house. So I go and I visit them. I go to their house. I call them almost the same time every week, whatever's agreeable with them. And we sit and talk, you know, and if they need something, I could go get it for them. I've gone to the drugstore. I've taken the gentleman to the store with me. You know, he can't, he's legally blind and the woman is, uh, uh, well, he's totally blind and the woman is legally blind. When I visit, I actually look in their bottles and see if they have everything that they need. You know, if I get them something out of the refrigerator, I can actually tell them, see if they're telling me the truth or not, you know, because sometimes people don't, they're embarrassed, you know, maybe they don't have the money or the funds or they're forgetting what they're doing, you know, so I can make sure that they have what they need in there. So, With the risk of COVID-19, Carmilla hasn't been able to visit in person, but she's still reaching out because she knows these connections are more important than ever. And they just gave me another woman that I haven't visited because of the COVID. Um, so I call her on the phone, make sure she's okay. Does she have her medicine? Is she eating? What does she have in the house? You know, I try to, and then we talk about everyday topics. They're, even though they can't see and they're hard of hearing, they're pretty knowledgeable on what's going on. Matter of fact, they tell me things that I, I don't know. So they're good listeners, which is really nice. They actually, the last person that I'm seeing actually you know, was, of course, a little leery. I explained, you know, who I am, where I come from, because she gets meals on wheels. So the first few phone calls, she was a little leery, but now she really looks forward to the phone calls. And the other two also, because they don't live with family. They don't have family always that check, checks up on them. Matter of fact, their family have refused to come and visit them because of this coronavirus. So they really do look forward to And I call them two or three times a week, especially on the weekend, because that's really a lonely part for them, especially when they have nobody with them. So, and, and it's really company for me. I have somebody to call and talk to, because they like that. Like most of the friendly visitor volunteers, 
Carmela says she gets so much out of it. Actually, I always tell them they're helping me out because when I visited the two people that I have, I made them food. They're Italian, they like certain vegetables or a certain dish, lasagna or something. So it's just me and my husband in the house for the most part, except now my son, my oldest son's with us because he's in the city and alone. So I always, I can't cook for two because I was used to cooking for five. And even with five, I could see the whole neighborhood. So I actually tell them they're helping me out because I'm bringing them food that they like and I don't have to eat it five times during the week <laughs> or freeze it, you know. So they're, they're ecstatic, they're thrilled, you know. So... I try, I bake, you know, so I bring them sweet stuff, or if I see fruit somebody likes, I'll, I'll share grapes because we can't eat all of them. So I actually tell them they're helping me out, and it's not that I'm helping them out. So they appreciate it also. The Friendly Visiting Program is just one of the many ways the City of New York is engaging and supporting seniors and older adults. What we need to do is keep that spirit and that connection with them so that when we are past COVID, we can still build on that rich foundation that has been there all along. Leading this all-important effort is our Commissioner of the Department for Aging, Lorraine A. Cortez Vazquez. As a former New York Secretary of State and AARP executive, she has a lot of knowledge and deep insights about what is helpful to older New Yorkers. So thank you so much for joining us, Lorraine. And to start, can you please describe the work that you do. Sure. I had the honor of serving as the Department for the Aging's Commissioner. And the department, as you well described, uh, First Lady, as we were opening, it is the agency responsible for the health and well-being of older New Yorkers. And we have uh, 249 uh, older adult centers and another 25 uh, social clubs which provide nutritious meals, social and educational and recreational activities for New Yorkers and home delivered meals for those who are homebound. And we serve over 45,000 New Yorkers. And during this COVID time, we have had to pivot and change the way we do services uh, tremendously. In the short period of time, our whole lives have changed in the last three weeks since March 15th, when the mayor so smartly ordered all congregate settings closed to ensure that we protect the vulnerable older New Yorkers. So in that period of time, we went immediately from a congregate serving meals and having group activities to providing the most essential service, which is the hallmark of what the department was founded for in the 60s, which was food insecurity. And so we went to a grab and go system a lot more manageable because it's real time. You get, you have a package of food, you give it to an individual, you know that that is delivered and that the individual is fed. And then, but the, the, the COVID crises continued and the guidance started getting more and more acute around the protecting vulnerable uh, older adults in New York. And so it was stay at home was the message. And as a result of staying at home, we had to go from a grab-and-go system, which was, which was a very familiar and comfortable system because they were going back to their senior centers and getting those meals, to a direct delivery. Well, you could imagine transferring something that is very personal and individual to a direct delivery to the door 
for over 40,000 people is a yeoman's task. And they're gonna be glitches and they have been. And for us, every senior, every older adult who misses a meal is something of great importance to us. But nevertheless, been, it's been more successful than the glitches. And so that's the message I want. And we are together in this, uh, in this effort to make sure that older New Yorkers get the meals that they need. I cannot imagine uh, how you were able to pull this off so quickly. I remember uh, when the shelter-in-place mandate was delivered, um, asking uh, asking one of uh, one of our police officers, uh, you know, what's happening in your building, knowing that there were a lot of older people uh, in the building that she lived in, and she said that she was actually checking in on them and slipping notes under the door. Uh, asking if they needed groceries, and she somehow found the time to go go grocery shopping uh, for them uh, and make sure that their needs were met until this delivery service went to a, into effect, which it did relatively quickly. And um, I, I I applaud you for uh, being able to pull that off. How do you see this pandemic affecting? the mental health of seniors, because we know that in addition to, um, you know, depending on, on people outside of their families in many cases, um, that, that the mental health is, is being affected and many seniors uh, do not necessarily have family members who are living close by. Yeah, I think, I think this has been a rather tumultuous emotional time for all New Yorkers. Um, We've gone through many, many different tragedies and incidences, uh, but I don't think any one of us who's still alive today has ever confronted anything like this. And so the range of emotions has been very different. You know, if you talk about when we first were talking about COVID and the impact, older New Yorkers were, you know, the resilient, gritty New Yorker attitude. We can beat this. We've been through a lot. We'll conquer this. And as more and more information came out about the vulnerability of older New Yorkers, and we started hearing incidences of people falling sick, that change from that grit, resilient, you know, can-do attitude to rightful concern and fear. And, um, and we were trying to do everything we can to keep that at a, at a certain level. And as you said in your introduction, the best thing that has happened in, in, in a lot of this has been that we had a foundation from which to build on. It was our experience in the friendly visiting and in the wellness and in the social engagement activities that gave us the, the wherewithal and the, and the foresight to say, how do we turn that, which is a very personal one-on-one -on -one kind of connection to a virtual connection, but that has the same impact that it does combat uh, social isolation and to also ward off depression, which is has lots of other health implications, underlying health implications for older New Yorkers. Yes, Commissioner, I, I'm it's very interested in your geriatric mental health initiative and your friendly visiting programs. And we know that 80% of older adults with depressive symptoms do get better, but it often goes untreated or, or undertreated. We know that 20% uh, of people age 55 experience mental health illness, anxiety or mood or severe cognitive disorders. Um, so in light of, of, of some of these 
statistics. Can you tell me, like, how do these programs, the Geriatric Mental Health Initiative and the Friendly Visiting Programs, how do, how do they help? So one of the main ways that I think that has been uh, impactful because it gives you the entree is that we have sessions where we destigmatize all of the conversation around emotions or the weaknesses associated with um, uh, with emotions or the fear. If you say that you have mental health issues, what are people going to think about you? So we have these sessions where we just first introduce the topic in a way that it totally destigmatizes it and starts building trust. And I think that's one of the entry points. The other thing that we've done is depending on the degree of social isolation or depression that an individual has, they'll either have individual treatment, they will have group sessions. And then the other thing that we put in place was friendly visiting to make sure that that social interaction and that social engagement could be sustained beyond the actual office visits or the congregate visits in these adult centers and the older adult centers. And so what we've done is have this cadre of, of friendly visitors who then become your buddy and check in on you and um, call you, visit you, do activities together. And that also are all of the different kind of methodology that we do to really combat and interrupt social isolation. And how have you been able to, um, how have you been able to convert these programs during the COVID-19 epidemic? One of the things that we've done, and it really, and I was, I was thinking about my 90-year-old my mother who it is painful for her because, you know, I visit her two and three times a week and now I can't. And the only way we can is we've discovered this wonderful thing called Zoom. And that's how we do it. And so that's, it's that experience, but it's also the friendly visiting experience that now we do it through telephone. We do it through Zoom. And so the city of New York, uh, the Department of Mental Health, a lot of people have come together to give up their time and uh, during this, as we're all working remotely, to become this extended friendly visitor, wellness check, uh, trusted partners. And so with New York City Service, with the Department of Health, we have just amplified that uh, so that many more individuals can get these calls on a regular basis to just check in on them. And that's well, the other thing we're asking, you know, it's one of the things that, that you always speak about. It's about connectiveness. We're asking every New Yorker, just as you talked about the peace officer the, uh, that you talked about earlier with, you know, Check in on her neighbors, slip a note under their door. Just let them know that you know that you know that they're there and that you care about them. You care enough to check in on them. You know, I just happened to meet one of um, one of your volunteers, because these are volunteers for the friendly visiting program. And I can't tell you um, how happy I was to hear her excitement and describing her her new best friend who is 102 years old. Um, this is someone that she met through the Friendly Visiting Program, and she talked about how she never expected um, to develop such a friendship with this older woman and how she looked forward to their um, 
their conversations and how she had learned so much um, from from her life experience, and that she looked she really looks forward to to checking in with this woman every every week. So I think some great friendships have bloomed uh, from this program. As people have all different opinions about older people, some think that they're an asset and are vibrant, and some think that they are uh, a burden on society. It depends on this perspective. And the more that you have connection, the more you debunk all of that misinformation, and really you become a, a, a city that builds on all of its assets and all of its populations, young, the older, and um, and also that core group that is in between those two. And it is about connectedness. And that's what these programs keep doing and reinforcing. So I think there's a stronger and a bigger benefit also to the city as a whole. Oh, yes, I, I agree. Our elders have lived through so much. And I think it's important for us to draw on that deep reserve of wisdom. Um, how are seniors able to share the stories of, of what they've lived through? How, are they, what kind of programs do you have that they are able to, to, to share their, their talents, their experiences, um, the kind of things that they've lived through? Right. There is, there is, that is the beauty of the local neighborhood senior center, as we call them, older adult centers, because the word senior is so loaded. But older adult centers is that they have this range of activities that people can participate in. I think I was sharing with you once about, you know, some of them have choral groups. There is a whole body of work that they are involved in called creative aging, where you can discover these talents, you know, on, on you know, at, that you have that you may never have tapped into young when you were younger. You know, I was at, a, at, a, at an event and I saw this group of great tap dancers and jazz dancers that were amazing. Tap dancing and jazz dancing. <laughs> All of these fabulous, you know, fancy headwear and just phenomenal. And we, we, they have choral groups. They're photographers. I mean, excellent work. One of the centers that I that I always admire is a Carter Burden, which is up in East Harlem and has another one on the Upper East Side. And they have this artwork. And every year they do a gallery. They open a gallery where they display the artwork of these older, talented people who may not have ever known that they were an artist. And we have one in in the theater district that has, you know, this great performance group, you know, Encore and in um, on West 44th Street. And so there's multiple programs. Like in the Bronx, we have this renowned photographer. Well, she's renowned now because she was discovered. Uh, <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> and she's teaching other people photography now. And so you just see this, this community building and, you know, seeing all of the things that they do. What we need to do is keep that spirit and that connection with them so that when we are past COVID, we can still build on that rich foundation that has been there all along. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? I mean, families used to live in multi-generational households and, and that, that connection um, between the, the youngest, you know, the babies, the child, young children and, and grandparents and, and many times 
great-grandparents was not lost. Um, do we have programs that, that try and keep those connections intact? I, 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 I believe I heard something about foster grandparents. Yes, yes. It's one of, it's one of the, again, they're volunteers. They're, you know, we, we pay them a small stipend just and, and, and car fare so that they can get to and from their uh, site. And their site could be any a school, a foster home, a group home, a hospital where that there are children that are have medical needs. And what what has happened is that these older New Yorkers have been the extended family for many of these individuals who may not have family or who do not have the supports. And sometimes they even support the family. So it's a connection of bringing back that strong foundation that we had, which was extended families, creating that through a foster grandparent program. Some of the stories that you hear, First Lady, are amazing and heartwarming. When you hear these, one of the women, we had a, a celebration and acknowledged one of the, a bunch of the foster grandparents. And she said, oh, I don't know why you're giving me an award. I, this is, makes my day. I get up every morning ready to go. And, that's, and uh, she, you know, she, it, this was about selfless giving on her part. And here we're recognizing her for that. And she just... She said, I'm getting more out of it than, than, than you could imagine. So <laughs> it's those kind of connections and it's those stories. And there's, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of stories like that. Um, the needs are great in this city. And it is a gift when we could bring the assets of one to support the needs of another. And that's what these programs have done. Uh, Commissioner, how, how are seniors protected uh, during all of this? I, I can imagine that people who do volunteer must be screened and, and trained in some way. Um, and because many seniors must be fearful, right? Um, oh, rightfully so. I mean, one of the things that we're also working on with the, the uh, police department and our elder abuse uh, service providers is, you know, this Older people are, you know, we hear these scams all the time. I get them. I'm sure you get those phone calls telling you that, I do. that your social security is going to be cut off or that your, you know, your credit card has been uh, stolen. And if you give them the number, they could retrieve it for you and all of these scams. And so they're preyed upon all the time. And the best way that we do it is uh, right now with the police department is, there's a cadre of people who have been abused and working with NYPD and uh, is to check in on those people who have been abused because sometimes they're abused by family members or someone familiar to them. Just we see a resurgence of that. So that's one way that we're doing is checking in on those people who have we know have a history of being abused. The other way that we're doing that is just telling people, you know, like, at this point, you need to take all of the safeguards that you can. And we are very guarded about who we send into the home, uh, making sure that they have the reference checks that they need. Even in this direct delivery, we chose a direct delivery company that does extensive background checks on their deliverers. That was very important to us because the safety 
the last thing we would want is that the safety of any older New Yorker is compromised. I'm very glad to hear that. Are there any special uh, any special steps that seniors can take to protect themselves from COVID-19 related scams? The Department of Aging, along with the Department of Health, very early on, as a matter of fact, as early as January, when our mayor said, this is not about uh, if this is coming to New York, but when it's coming to New York, and we started issuing guidances on how to protect yourself, all of the typical uh, issues that we have given all New Yorkers, wash your hands, keep the distance. Um, but for older people, we have said anyone who comes in your contact, make sure that they have a mask on, uh, more for your protection than, their, than theirs. Um, we also say to them, you know, to when, when a food or an item is delivered, have the person knock on your door and leave it outside and you determine, you know, when you're going to go pick it up. And all of those kind of precautions so that we could keep ensuring that they have the social distances necessary to protect themselves. And uh, as much as possible, you know, I can't tell you how much my, I am washing my hands. I know my mother's washing her hands. And, um, you know, it's it's been a challenge, but that's what we've been saying to people, all of the regular guidances. And we've also told older New Yorkers, you're spending a lot more time in your home maybe than you have had in the past. Be very cautious, you know, look around and see what are those things that you need to check to make sure that you protect yourself from falling. Falling is a very, very, very dangerous thing for an older adult. It turns into many, can turn into many other health uh, concerns and implications. So look at where you have your cords. Do you have grab bars on? Make sure that you're holding the banisters. Make sure you're turning the lights before you either leave a room or walk into a room. All of the things and the tips that we give under, um, make sure that your slippers are some that don't slip under you, but that also have good traction. And, um, and, and things for that, because at this time you're in your home a lot more than you may have been. And, you know, fall prevention is a very, very important thing at this also for us. Mm. That is, um, that is good advice. Uh, you know, I, I understand that you have a one direct system can you talk a bit about the One Direct system and the role of technology during this crisis? And, and, and how can seniors learn to use this technology if they haven't had experience with it before? We have a few things that we're working on. One system, the one that you're talking about, One Connect, is a system that is being currently used by a network of agencies under Presbyterian Senior Services. And it is something that we're looking at to see if we could expand it. It is a direct uh, communication system um, with older their older clients, and they can send them messages real time, and also the client can respond back to the system. And it is a wonderful way, you know, of telling them this is when grab and go is going to be, you know, at the center. This is, this is the day that the meals will be available. I mean, also do be a, a system for wellness checks. So it is something that we're looking at because right now it's being used by a small group of agencies under the umbrella of Presbyterian Senior Services. And it seems effective. And we're looking to see how we can expand that because we know that 
once we get post uh, COVID-19, we want to look at should there ever be another situation, that connection is is key for older New Yorkers. Yes, we, we will get through this crisis, but, but even after the sheltering in place mandate is lifted, it's likely that that people with pre-existing conditions that place them at risk and older people may have to share, may have to shelter at home a little longer for their safety. Um, is there anything that they can do now to prepare for an extended period at home? We're looking at what do we do to make sure that their extended period of, of time at home can be uh, more manageable. We know that we're going to keep with food and the wellness calls well beyond when society is already moving in to narrowing the social distancing. That's not going to be the case for older New Yorkers. So we know that that the food provision and some of the other issues are really important. Uh, the other thing is, you know, you know, we have to tap into that good old uh, reserve of wisdom that they have and that sage advice. You know, they've been through a lot. And it's about encouraging them and making sure that that um, that reserve is not lost during this time of ice, of uh, potential isolation. You know, when you think about them, you know they they started a lot of the movements. They you know they were there for the civil rights movement, the, the women's rights, you know, the culture revolution. You know, these baby boomers were active and pushing and and fought in wars and protested wars, and so. You know, they've changed the country for the better. And what I'm saying is all New Yorkers need to know that we need to support and protect them. So connect and make sure that we are providing the services that they need. When the rest of us will start going back to our daily lives, it's going to take maybe a few more weeks before that happens to an older person. Yes, exactly. You know, you say the baby boomers have been through a lot and, and you're right. I'm, I'm a boomer. Um, I've certainly been, been through quite a bit, but my aunt who is 92 years old and, and I'm calling her every week to check in and make sure she's doing all right. Reminds me that, that we haven't really been through <laughs> what, what, what our generation has been through with world war two and the bombing of Pearl Harbor, et cetera. Uh, so I think it, it's, it's all relative. I think for, for many of us, uh, you know, this is the most um, dramatic crisis uh, that, that we've been through. Yeah, I remember the Vietnam War, and I'm sure you do too. I remember losing, having so many of the young men in our lives just disappear. And, and we are going through that same possibly going through that same experience. So many people that we know or, or are connected to people that we know. And, um, you know, it's, that's why connection and support is so essential during this time. Yes, I think that going through this crisis pro- is probably triggering for some people. It triggers memories of, of very hard times uh, long ago. And um, we have to remember that that people who were in, in bread lines, for example, uh, who yes. experienced the, the Great Depression, um, maybe having flashbacks to those times. And, and it, it helps for them to be able to talk about it with others. Absolutely. And, and New York is well prepared to help people with that. You know, we have, we have uh, 
our helpline in New York City, uh, uh, we have 311. Uh, there's a lot of resources that we can um, uh, refer people to and make sure that they're connected. You know, we have Aging Connect at the Department for the Aging. And we have these resources and the our job, all of our job, our collective job is to make sure that any New Yorker who is seeking uh, services and information can have easy access to those. So I want to thank, you know, the Department of Mental Health, Thrive, the Geriatric Mental Health Programs, the uh, Friendly Visiting, all of them who are marshalling all of our resources to make sure that that happens. Yes, I do believe people are, are, are doing everything they can, certainly our agencies are, but is there anything more you can recommend individual New Yorkers do to support seniors in their own communities as well as across the city? You know, family to me is the most important thing. And there's blood family and then there's the New York family. And, and the goal is to have this New York family remember and serve as family members, but those might not be your blood family. So it's very at the top of this hour, um, which is reach out, put a note under the door, offer to uh, pick up groceries, just check in. Um, this is an extremely emotional time for all of us. And um, we're, you know, in a unique position to, to, to make sure that it is personal and that we are not uh, isolated. Um, in New York, there's, you can make it alone. We say you're tough, but I mean, you, what anybody can make it in New York. If you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere, but you don't have to make it alone. You know, the, the new word for New York, I believe, and I've said this, I think before is connectedness. This, yes. us, this has shown us that that is essential for us to thrive. No pun mm -hmm. <laughs> Yes, we are. We are New Yorkers. We're strong, but we know that uh, no one gets anywhere alone and that the quality of life for most of us is enhanced when we have uh, other people to connect with to enrich our days. Sure. We're going into, you know, that we just had Passover Seders where people who had to do it via Zoom. Um, just remember that, that our new normal is something that is so foreign to us, but who we are as human beings and how we connect with each other, that's the same. Well, I want to thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, we've had Commissioner Lorraine A. Cortez Vazquez with us. She is a former New York Secretary of State and AARP executive. She has so much knowledge and deep insights about what is helpful to older New Yorkers, and I thank her for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the Friendly Visiting Program or the Geriatric Mental Health Program, or any of the Department for the Aging programs in New York City, you can call 212-AGING-NYC or 212-244-6469. Two, two,